Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of According to Wellness. Today I have Katie joining us on the podcast. She's a Hashimoto's nutritionist and she suffers with Hashimoto's as well. And we're going to talk about all things thyroid and Hashimoto's and our journeys and all of those fun things. So I'll let you introduce yourself. Okay, thanks for having me. My name is Katie, and like Savannah said, I specialize in Hashimoto's hypothyroid and gut health. And I chose all three because I've suffered with all three. And really, I think that they're kind of all connected, which I think we can both agree on and have struggled <laughs> <Definitely>. with. <laughs> so, yes, I definitely agree that Hashimoto's and hypothyroid and gut health are all. <laughs> related and I definitely noticed that when my gut health was bad my Hashimoto's was so bad like the worst experience I've had with it so definitely yeah that was that was mine too yeah so when when did you get diagnosed so I got diagnosed around or just yeah right around the pandemic so in 2020 actually and I had Hashim or I had hypothyroid probably 10 years before that and so I was on thyroid meds but I just yeah it never affected me until about 2020 and then it was just a downhill spiral from there yeah that's crazy mine was when I was 12 so 2011 (laughs) yeah that's so young but that's also so amazing that they caught it that early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were a lot of signs that my parents were like, oh, that's kind of – because I was really lanky growing up, like really thin and tall. And then like I started gaining weight rapidly, like within a week, and I gained like five pounds. And they were like, oh, that's kind of concerning. And took me to the doctor, and she's like, oh, she has hypothyroid and Hashimoto's. <laughs> oh, okay. Makes sense. It's such a scary thing when you just start putting on weight and there's no reason for it. Mm-hmm. It's probably and, the weirdest like side effect symptom of it. Yeah. And for you, does anyone in your family have Hashimoto's as well? Yeah. So my dad has Hashimoto's and hypo and my mom is hypo hyper. She like oh, fluctuates. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have family history of it? So my mom is on the other end, so she has Graves' disease. Oh, that's unfortunate. So. I have a friend who had Graves' disease when he was in college, and like he had to miss like a semester, like a year of college because it was so bad. Yeah, it's so crazy how much autoimmune can just take over your life, and especially when you're undiagnosed, I think, and you just don't even understand why you're so tired and gaining weight and just you know, feeling like garbage ultimately. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What were your symptoms that made you like go in? Um, so mine was a little bit confusing actually, because a few years prior I was in a bad car accident and I had a head injury from that, like a very severe head injury. So with that, I had a lot of fatigue and concussive symptoms like headaches and migraines and brain fog. And then As the years went on, some of those symptoms went away, and then I noticed a whole bunch of other symptoms come in, and I went to doctors, and they were just like, oh, it's just your post-concussive syndrome, and I was like, well, why would that affect my skin the way it is? And at the time, I worked as a medical esthetician, so I worked in skincare, and I was doing all the newest laser treatments on my skin using medical grade skincare and it would get better for maybe a week and then it would come back worse than ever before. And what else? I think one of the worst ones was unexplained weight gain, Mm -hmm. like we had said, and they just told me that was my age, but I was like, I don't know, 27 at the time. And I was like, I don't think so. Like I'm pretty active. It's such a crazy... Oh, it's just your age. And that's not normal. It's not normal. And I had rashes and skin issues all over my body and they would just give me ointments and creams. And I remember also losing chunks of hair. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you dealt with hair loss, but I thought I was going to be bald at one point. (laughs) Like it was so scary. My hair loss wasn't like that bad, but it did like fall out a little bit. Not, Not like... To the point where I was concerned about it, but it was like a little bit more than you expected. Yeah, and enough to actually notice a difference Mm -hmm. for yourself. Yeah. And Um, then I think the 
biggest one um, was I had just got to the point where my fatigue was so bad that I lived in an apartment building. And there was one day that I took the elevator down and that was it. I just had to sit in the lobby for like an hour to muster up enough energy to go back upstairs. Like I couldn't even leave. And the day after that, actually, I woke up with hives all over my body. And that's kind of when I went into a walk-in clinic and he sent me to an allergist. And when I saw the allergist, he was the first one that said, right away, these are autoimmune hives. And so from there, you know, I saw a few other doctors until one finally sent me for blood work. And then, yeah, I was told I have Hashimoto's and I had no (laughs) idea what that meant, but I was just happy to have an answer. Yeah, that's crazy. It took them so long to figure that out. I Yeah, I think. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I think this was like a six month journey of like continuously seeing walk-in doctors and my GP and just getting no answers. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Luckily, mine was just like one doctor and that was like my pediatrician (laughs) and that was it. Yeah, that's so lucky. I know. She was so good. She was just like such a good, like the doctor that you always wanted to have nowadays that you just like have such a hard time finding. Um, But I I wonder if the car accident like triggered your autoimmune Honestly, I think so because it can, yeah. well, as you know, it can come out with stress and that was obviously a very stressful time in my life. Yeah. So, yeah. Just the recovery of it. And you had hypo then too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just the recovery of it, I'm sure, was like hard on your body to just like process that. And then that's crazy. I always see people saying like, I got into an accident or X, Y, and Z happened or I got injured and they're like, it triggered an autoimmune reaction to me. It's always so crazy. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I notice a lot of, um, or not a lot, but a few clients I've worked with also had Hashimoto's after having their babies. So after pregnancy, Mm -hmm. which I guess like hormone fluctuations and all of that. Yeah, we just did a um, like case study in my one of my doctorate my research classes and it was on a lady that had Hashimoto's after she was pregnant which she had one child she had two children and then after a second she got diagnosed with Hashimoto's and it was like unexplained as to why she had it yeah it's so crazy and it's just kind of scary that autoimmune especially Hashimoto's I feel like is just on the rise these days oh yeah And I also experienced the skin rashes like you did, Mm -hmm. but it was more like anything with fragrance or like certain skincare, like a lot of skincare products. My face would like break out in a rash and like my body would break out or laundry detergent. I couldn't use like scented laundry detergent or anything except for homemade laundry detergent that my mom would make. And if I did laundry like at a hotel or at somebody else's house, I'd break out in a rash for days. Like, I couldn't wear the clothes. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's so crazy how, like, even though we both have Hashimoto's, but how different mm-hmm. things, Yeah, you know, we have different triggers and stuff. But yeah. I'm the same. I have to use – I think it kind of forced me to use more natural things, which is just good overall. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely, like, made me realize, like, I should not be using, like, these things. <laughs> these things. Yeah. If they're going to make a reaction from that, then they're probably not great anyways. Exactly. So what foods do you recommend eating um, to your clients as a nutritionist when they're having a flare-up or when they're just starting to see you with Hashimoto's? Yeah, so with a lot of my clients, the first thing we focus on is really introducing more whole nutrient-dense foods, so good quality proteins, healthy fats, and fiber to help increase their gut diversity, which... We can get into gut health after, but basically just less packaged, less fried, less sugary, less refined foods. And this just really helps to reduce inflammation and can make a huge change overall. And I think it can be a little bit overwhelming if you search on the internet what to eat and what not to eat because the lists of what not to eat are giant. And I think, yeah, just really focusing on more whole nutrient-dense foods is a great starting place. Yeah, I totally agree. When I first started, like, trying to eat healthy for my thyroid, like, the amount of things that it said not to eat that were whole foods was crazy. Like – Yeah. Yeah. 
like broccoli and like all the cruciferous vegetables, which is like most of them. So it's crazy that they're like, don't eat those. Yeah. And then especially if it's, you know, some of my clients come to me and they are super busy individuals. So they're eating out so much. And so for them, it's even just cooking a little bit more at home and changing the oils that they're using would make a huge difference without having to cut out all of those foods that, you know, are also healthy for us and can offer benefits. Because I think one of the big ones that I saw on a lot of the lists was to cut out nuts and seeds as well and bananas. And yeah, it's just kind of crazy. But yeah, that's crazy, like to cut out the bananas because you need the potassium. Like, Ex- that's so important for your thyroid is the potassium. They're like, don't eat it. <laughs> Exactly. And even like you said, broccoli is a huge one. And with Hashimoto's, a lot of us are deficient in vitamin D and broccoli and Brussels sprouts and things like that can actually help with the metabolism of vitamin D and absorption. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, you know, those foods can actually be beneficial. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I've been eating a lot of Brussels sprouts lately. And like, I don't, I don't see a difference when I don't eat them versus when I do eat them. But I know I like I've been eating a lot of Brussels sprouts lately just because like I feel like they're very like wintery like foods, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love like roasted Brussels sprouts. Yes. They're so good, especially yeah. like in bowls and stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been making mine with butternut squash, oh, like yum. roasting them together. So good. Been obsessed with it lately. And it's then like, Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I don't know if you have eaten beef liver. Mm-hmm. I've not eaten it. <laughs> do, you, do you take the capsules? Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that that made a huge difference in my symptoms, especially yes. fatigue. Yeah, I I love beef liver, and I think I would recommend it to anybody that no matter what the health condition is, I'm like, you should take beef liver. <laughs> Especially because it's just such a natural way to get iron. And I think yes. well, with Hashimoto's, we're oftentimes we're low in iron and vitamin A, which beef liver has, but also just as women in general, I feel like, you mm-hmm. know, oftentimes we're lower in iron. And yeah, if you can eat it or take the pill, it's just a more natural way to get it. Yeah. It's such like a, you know, like it's much better than a multivitamin, honestly. Yeah. And even just a lot of iron supplements that are just plain iron, I feel like are just so hard to digest and absorb mm-hmm. and hard on your stomach. Yeah. Whereas beef liver is like not. And it's almost like therapeutic to take it. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I've, I've never taken beef liver like like the actual beef liver. Like, like eating meat. it? Yeah. Never. It's definitely an interesting taste but I think there are some good recipes out there and I think you just really have to flavor it but Mm -hmm. I also grew up off of like liver soup (laughs) which is just kind of bizarre like half of my family is eastern European and yeah I don't know if maybe that was just our family or an eastern European (laughs) thing but I definitely stopped eating it for a long time and then my, I asked my grandma to make it the other day, and it was actually a lot better when she made it. Oh. So I think if you season it the right way and find a good recipe. But I noticed, like, the next day, my energy is just so much better after eating it. Oh, really? That's yeah, so you nice. should give it a try, but season yeah. it well. <laughs> There's a, like, a, I think it's called Force of Nature, maybe. Maybe that's the cleaning company. I'm not sure. But they make a like ground beef with like uh, liver and kidney and heart in it. It's like a oh, blend. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm, I think I've seen that you can get it at Whole Foods now. It used to be like you could only order it online. But it it's like the ground beef and then they mix in uh, the organ meat with it. So you like have it and they say you can't taste it or like you can kind of taste it but not a lot. I don't know. I'm like interested to try it maybe one day when I go to Whole Foods, but at the same time I'm like, but I know it's in there, so I'll probably taste it. <laughs> that's that's the thing. I feel like when you know it's in there, then yeah. you're like expecting the taste. But yeah. yeah, if it's mixed in with other meats, it might be better. Yeah. I've also seen where people will take like an ounce of beef liver and freeze them and then just take them as shots. Like liquid? 
like they just freeze them and swallow them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm and, not sure I could do that one either. <laughs> in my head, I was, I don't know why, I guess because shot, I was thinking of something like liquefied. Yeah, like blended up. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, interesting. I mean, I guess whatever you have to do, but. Yeah, and I then cannot. one of the other nutrients that I absolutely love and t- drink every morning is ginger. And I think that this is amazing for people with Hashimoto's, especially if you struggle with cold hands and feet. Um, Yeah, ginger is just a warming herb. So it also helps to modulate your immune system and it's anti-inflammatory and it can help just to wake up your digestion and metabolism. So I feel like ginger is also up there with beef liver. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. I don't, I take ginger at night in like a tea with turmeric, just you know, like for the anti-inflammatory properties of it, but Mm -hmm. I love ginger. Well, yeah, that's the other one is turmeric is so amazing as well for anti-inflammatory. And I guess joint pain also is very common with Hashimoto's. So it's great for that. And yeah. um, What else? Oh yeah. Turmeric also helps your liver function, which is where majority of the thyroid hormone takes place. So happy liver, happy thyroid, <laughs> happy yeah. life. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Do you take uh, selenium or like an antioxidant? So for selenium, just because I wanted to cut down on the amount of supplements I'm taking every day, I have two Brazil nuts with my coffee every morning. And yeah, selenium is amazing because it helps in the conversion of thyroid hormone. I guess I can talk about that quickly. So basically we have T4, which is our inactive thyroid hormone. And then for our body has to work pretty hard to convert it into T3, which is the active form that then our body can then use for a whole ton of processes, including our metabolism. So it's really important that we have you know, a strong conversion state so that we can rev up our metabolism and then that can help reduce inflammation and weight loss and all of those symptoms that, you know, we want to fix with Hashimoto's. But yeah, I think selenium is such a key nutrient for hypothyroid. And so many people are deficient and it's like so many people don't even get any in their daily diet, especially women. Yeah, it's crazy. And same with zinc, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that just with the research I've done that a lot of people are deficient with Hashimoto's. And so with my clients that eat seafood, if they're going, if well, you know, some of my clients love seafood and that's what they pick to go out for dinner. So I'm always like, just get oysters because that's the highest food in zinc. If you love oysters, this is your excuse to go splurge and eat some good ones. (laughs) Yeah, you'll feel better tomorrow. (laughs) Exactly, but also red meat and pumpkin seeds are also good sources of zinc. Yeah, I feel like red meat gets a bad rap in health, like just because everybody's like, you shouldn't eat it. And I like conventional, I don't think conventional, like with the high omega 6s, is great because it is very inflammatory. But mm-hmm. like if you get a quality one or even like just like a little better quality, I don't see a problem with it. I don't know. There's so much bad rap around it that I think people get so confused on whether or not they can have it. Oh, I agree 100%. And I think, like you said, it's just quality over quantity. And I don't know about you, but I personally just feel better if I have red meat every week. I do too. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I've said that so many times. Like, Like, I'll just tell you this real quick. Like when I got my last labs drawn for my thyroid, I had him do like a whole metabolic panel just to see where everything was at and it came back and he said my cholesterol or it said my LDL cholesterol and my total cholesterol was high which is weird because like I don't eat I eat like eggs and beef and nuts and seeds and like maybe a little bit of butter but not a lot um and so I messaged like I sent him an email and I was like why is my cholesterol high like that's kind of concerning and he messaged me back saying just go on a low cholesterol diet. It could be familial. And my dad does have like higher cholesterol. And I was like, well, that's really weird. And he wouldn't give me like a like a clear answer on it. Like tell me like what mm-hmm. he thought was going on. So I had to research it for myself. And when you have Hashimoto's and hypothyroid, you can actually have like a higher amount of cholesterol if your thyroid is having to function like a little harder or like if you're 
medication isn't um, providing like what it needs, your cholesterol can be a little high. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would have never known that if I didn't look it up. And like, like he wouldn't even tell me the answer, or like help me figure it out or anything. He was just like, follow low cholesterol diet. And I said, I do. And he's and like, then, oh, well, you should be fine. <laughs> well, and then that's a little scary in itself because you think about, you know, there's a lot of people that maybe just don't have the interest in researching yeah. these things themselves. And so they go on a low cholesterol diet, which might be what they're eating already, like you, mm-hmm. and then you just continue on your life <laughs> without yeah. seeing any changes. Yeah. And then they also, like when they cut out cholesterol, they're cutting out like so many nutrients, like like eggs do have cholesterol in them. And but they provide choline and like all like um, amino acids and so many other like important nutrients that we need. And they're like, oh, stop eating them. Exactly. And a lot of those foods are also healthy fats, you know, for like mm-hmm. women's hormones, especially. And just, yeah, like you said, our body functioning. Yeah. And it's even more important that we like vary our diet, like not eat the same things every single day. It's like having beef once or twice a week. It's not a problem. Like red red meat once or twice a week, it's not a problem. Like you should be varying it because then you get the nutrients that your body needs and your thyroid will be happy about it. Exactly. And plus, you know, I talked about this with one of my clients the other day is she was like, oh, I just have chicken, broccoli and yam every single night for dinner. And I was like, okay, well, that is a healthy option. Mm-hmm. But like you just said, like, let's incorporate a little bit of red meat. Like if you want to make tacos one night, don't be afraid to, you know, maybe to yeah. get the extra lean ground <laughs> red meat instead yeah. of the other options. But yeah, I think it's definitely important. Or even you could just vary it with like the ground beef and like another veggie and like rice or something. Like if you wanted to stick with those like simple, really simple, not the talk tacos are really simple too, you know, but like if you just wanted to stick with like something you could prep easy, like just do more veggies, different veggies every night or something. Exactly. You know, varying the plants that we or plant sources that we put into our body is so important for our gut microbiome as well. Yes. And yeah, so important. Um, so another question I have for you, I didn't write this one down, but are there any like prepackaged snack foods that you enjoy and recommend to clients that are like busy and work in offices or go to school? Yeah, so for a lot of my clients that love chips and that type of snacks, I always tell them lesser evil snacks are a cleaner option. And I mean, I'm obsessed with their popcorn. I saw you. I was going to say, I saw you eating it on your stories the other day. Mm -hmm. I actually had some last night. I love that. And then another one for, like we said, people that really, you know, want to make tacos or wraps, just something easy to take with them for lunch is unbound tortillas. And so these tortillas are primarily made from almond flour. And I think that they have a few different types. So they're gluten free and they don't contain corn. And corn can also be quite inflammatory just because of the way that it's processed. So if you're feeling bloated after having corn tortillas, that might be something to keep in mind. I like um, Lesser Evil, obviously. It's like my favorite. And then Siete, they're yeah. tortilla chips. Those ones are so good, but they're harder to find here, actually, which is oh, unfortunate. Really? Yeah, they're pretty much everywhere here. Like I went to Publix last night and they were there and then they're literally like in the Walmarts here. They're everywhere. You can get them like everywhere here now. Like a few months ago, you couldn't find them, but now it's everywhere. I'm so jealous every time I go to the States. Like if I drive over, I just stock up on their brand of stuff and bring it back. It's so good. But it can be harder for people with Hashimoto's and Hypo to digest it because it, some of their products do use cassava. Mm-hmm. So it can be harder. So it's not like um, the perfect option but I think it's so much better if you can digest it like my dad he has hashies and hypo and he doesn't really like their stuff because he gets bloated or like he just feels like heavy I guess after he has it so he has a different brand but the late July have you heard of them no I haven't heard of them 
Yeah. It's just like a tortilla chip company. They might, I think they do salsa too. Their salsa is pretty good. Um, but yeah, they're a different company that I don't know what they use in them. They might just use like non-GMO organic corn, but mm-hmm. it is another option. I'll have to look that up. And then I don't know if you guys have them. One of the other favorite swaps I've made, I don't think you guys have the Yogu yogurt brand, do you? Let me look it up. It's just... We might. No, we don't have that one. That looks good. Yeah, and the only ingredients are, it's all organic, so it's organic coconut cream, agar, and probiotics. I think that's it. Unless if you get one of the flavored ones. But yeah, it's so clean and so easy to digest. So it's a, it's a yogurt? Yeah. Okay. And um, I personally hate the taste of coconut, but I just get the plain one and mix in like a little bit of maple syrup or cinnamon and flavor it myself. And it's so good. I don't know if you guys have Kalina yogurt there. It's a coconut yogurt. It's my favorite yogurt I found. It's kind of like, do you know what tapioca pudding is? Yeah. Yes, it's like that consistency. Oh, I'll have to try it next time I'm yes. in the States. It's I'm so good. I have to talk to you before I go down there grocery <laughs> shopping and just make a whole list. Yeah. If you go to Coco, there's a really good health food store there that I'll send you. We go there Perfect. all the time. It's such a good store. Um, what about like desserts? What do you do for dessert? For desserts, I feel like I bake a lot at home. I used to be a huge, huge dessert person. And I feel like I would crave sweets all day long. But really after focusing on my gut health, I don't crave them as much. So now if I like go out for dinner and really want a dessert, half the time I'll just find something that's gluten-free or bake something at home. Oh, that's interesting. I I love baking, but I tend to like want chocolate at night. And so I'll have like the Hue chocolate or Giddy-O. I tried their chocolate. It's really good too. <laughs> oh, I love Giddy-O. It's so good. It is good. I used their dark chocolate on like some gingerbread cookies I made. So good. Like I melted it. So good. Oh, yum. <laughs> so you just said um, if you wanted something gluten-free, you'll make it or find something with it. How do you feel about a gluten-free, dairy-free diet for Hashimoto's? So I feel like gluten and dairy are two of the most common inflammatory foods, especially with people with Hashimoto's. But at the same time, um, it doesn't mean that you have to completely cut them out or cut them out forever. If I have a new client with Hashimoto's, I will ask them if they've been tested for celiac. And if not, then to go ask their doctor to get tested because, you know, autoimmune kind of goes hand in hand. So you can have both. But if you're just sensitive to gluten, then at the end of the day, it's really your choice. I just like to educate my clients and I like them to understand, you know, what symptoms are quote unquote normal, I guess, yeah, and which ones aren't. So with some of my clients, we will take out gluten and dairy or just gluten for three to four weeks and then introduce it back in so that they can notice how they feel after eating it and the next day. So they'll just keep a food and mood journal. But it's also important to note that just because you have a sensitivity to something now, it doesn't mean that you're going to be sensitive to it for the rest of your life. And I feel like a lot of my Hashimoto's clients, if they are in the middle of a flare-up when they come to me, they are sensitive to a lot of nightshades as well, like tomatoes, peanuts, red peppers, or just any peppers, I guess, and even spices like paprika. And, you know, they kind of panic and they're like, well, everything is inflaming me. And so we just kind of take a step back and we might remove some of those foods temporarily and work on gut healing. But then once we introduce them back in, you know, some of those foods, they're like, oh, wow, I can actually tolerate tomatoes now. So I just really want to get that point across that if you're feeling like you're sensitive to everything right now, it might not be that way forever. But I have noticed that for myself and most of my clients, I think gluten and dairy are 
you know, the top intolerances or sensitivities with Hashimoto's. Yeah, I definitely know that when I was going through it, like, especially when it was really bad in 2020 and 2021, like, I felt like I could not eat anything whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like, even like, I was at the point where I was eating like a bowl of like shredded chicken from the store, like a rotisserie, and then uh, making like carrots and I think zucchinis and squash into like a bowl and sauteing them. And that's what I would eat because that's like all I felt like I could eat. It, like, and then now I can eat whatever I want, really. Like, I can eat dairy and I can eat the gluten, and like, I have sourdough at least like almost every night or yeah. every day for breakfast. Or it's crazy the different phases our bodies go through, especially when we're in flare ups. Because, same when mine was bad, I remember I couldn't even eat eggs, and I it was so hard for me because, like, you, I was like, I guess I'll have chicken for breakfast. Because again, fruits, fruits made me flare up too at that point. Really? Yeah, it was really hard. And then, yeah, like I said, just really working on my gut health helped so much. I don't know if that's what you did as well. Yeah, so mine's kind of different just because I was very fitness minded back Mm -hmm. then. Um, Very much so like in the fitness, like following all of the fitness influencers and doing what they were doing and things like that. And I decided like, I wanted to go on a bulk. Like Mm -hmm. I had just been like so restrictive with what I was eating to lose weight and all those things. And then, and that made my Hashimoto so bad. Anyways, just because I wasn't eating enough and I decided I was going to do a bulk. And so I started eating more and I was eating like, I was tracking my calories at that point. I was eating like 2,300, 2,400 a day. And that's what really helped me. Like my gut health and my thyroid was I was eating enough and I made myself eat it. And I was eating all kinds of different things. Yeah, it makes such a difference. That's one of the things I had to do too is, you know, force myself to eat more. And I think, I don't know if you've noticed that with your clients too, but I think that that's one of the biggest conversations that we have is like, trust the process, eat a little bit more. And, you know, your thyroid is already under so much stress and your thyroid controls metabolism. So we really need to fuel it. And, you know, constantly yo-yo dieting or restricting our food isn't going to get you anywhere in the long run. Yeah. I think it's hard for them when you first say, okay, we need to eat more because they think we're just going to like jump into eating more like going from like, you know, three meals a day to like six meals a day or something like that. But really you just have to take it slow. Like if you're eating three meals, just add a snack. And exactly. Just be like a bowl of strawberries, which is super easy to digest for most people. It's not like calorically dense it's got a lot of nutrients like very slowly add in more food and eventually you'll see that your appetite will just like skyrocket exactly and also uh, one of the biggest things I found was I was like don't be afraid to cook with you know avocado oil and add avocado to things Mm -hmm. and you know those healthy fats because that's also going to help to get your calories up but you're not going to feel overstuffed from those yeah I read that coconut oil is amazing for metabolism and your thyroid Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think coconut oil is great and I recommend it to my clients. But like I said, I personally hate the taste of coconut. Yeah. I I used to hate the taste of coconut. Like I wouldn't eat anything coconut. And then I read it and I was like, okay, I'm just going to try it and see what I think. And now I cook my eggs in coconut oil every day. Coconut oil every day. Oh, I love that. And it's also just like like you said, you know, you read it and you kind of forced mm-hmm. yourself and now you like it. Yeah. I actually like having coconut milk in my coffee because I think, you know, if you stir it well, the coffee kind of takes over the taste anyways, and it just has a really creamy texture. Do you like cashews? I like cashews and I've tried cashew milk, but I don't know what it's like there. I have a very hard time finding clean cashew milk here. So I, I, I made it for a while and then, mm-hmm. yeah. I like just- the Elmhurst brand one. I don't think we have that. I've I've tried their Walmart one. Or not Walmart, their Walnut one before. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just start that again. <laughs> <laughs> They're off brand. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's since you said that you find everything at Walmart sometimes. I was like, oh, yeah. why doesn't our Walmart have cool stuff? <laughs> Okay, 
But yeah, I've I've tried their walnut one before now that I'm looking at the picture. But I'm going to try I their do. cashew one. I do not like their walnut one. I didn't it's, either. I, I think, think that's disgusting. I think that what's turned me off of it. But I really want to get the almond cow. Have you seen that? Yeah, I have. My mom got me like another brand. I think it's called Mio Mat for oh. my birthday this year. M-I-O-M-A-T. Um, it's just like an almond cow, but like like an off-brand one, I guess. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's nice. But my only problem with them is that they don't make the milk like you would get like at Elmhurst or something. It's very thin and not oh, okay. creamy. Okay. Like it's great for cereals, mm-hmm. but not for coffee. That makes sense. Yeah. It just doesn't froth or anything. Like like I like having the froth on my coffee and it just doesn't froth. I'm the exact same. I always have to froth it. And- yeah. It's just not the same. Were you like me before? Did you make your own nut milks before you got that? Where you have to like squeeze the I did, cheese I did bags or whatever? Yeah, yeah, I did a couple times. And I like, again, like I just didn't like it because they were too. I made oat milk doing that and it was so slimy. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, that's fair. Disgusting. I made oat milk too, but I blend I blended it first and I blended it with dates just so that it would be a little mm-hmm. bit flavored and I think maybe that helped make it a tiny bit thicker too maybe I tried dates well so I don't know if I put dates in it when I would make it myself but I do in the Mio mat and it helps a lot with the taste oh yeah I just looked that up it looks like a yeah it looks basically the same yeah I don't know what the difference is or like I don't think it's any differently priced or anything. I just think it's just another brand of it. There's also one called Nutter, N-U-T-R, and I think it's like a a personal size one. Like it's just super tiny, and you can make it for your coffee in the morning. So like it'll make the um, nut milk for you and froth it for you to put in your coffee. Oh, that's so interesting. And then it'll be fresh. Oh, yeah, it looks small. Mm-hmm. 20% off right now. <laughs> Just Christmas, went to their website. <laughs> Christmas present for yourself. <laughs> but yeah, that was the one that I, the Nutter one was like the one I wanted mm-hmm. because it is tiny. It would make your coffee, but the one I have is really nice too. I also like the Elmhurst creamers, but they don't have like, they're not like clean ingredients. They're not bad, but they're not great. But they're really I know good. that's that's one of the other things that's hard too. But like we said, I think it's just everything in moderation. Yes, because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm I definitely the person that likes Starbucks sometimes, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, their oat milk and stuff probably has so many fillers in it or whatever milks they use. And sometimes I want my little sugar-free vanilla syrup. Yeah, sometimes but, yeah. you just want a little sweetness in it, and like it doesn't matter. <laughs> Exactly. It's all in moderation. And I think you're like me too, where just with our histories, it's important not to restrict things. And because, you know, you don't want to restrict it and then think about it all the time and feel so deprived that then yeah. you're going to binge on something. It's better to just have it in moderation and then fuel yourself 80% of the time with, you know, good quality foods. Yeah. I think it's also important, like, if you feel like getting that coffee to get it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just like the coffee that's important. It's like the experience of getting the coffee, like going to the coffee shop and getting it. That's, you know, like 50% of the coffee experience. (laughs) Exactly. And if that's what sparks joy, especially, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you're like me, like I just like going to a coffee shop and working sometimes. Yeah. And just, yeah, the environment and having your warm coffee right there. You're right. It's the whole experience. It's the experience. It's not just like the, like sweetness or the sugar or whatever or like the caffeine fix it's just like the experience of getting the coffee and having it that makes it like desirable and comforting exactly and let's be honest a lot of these coffee places don't even have amazing coffee (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so I know you're also a personal trainer Mm -hmm. so what do your workouts look like with Hashimoto's so 
This was actually a huge adjustment for me. Before I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, my whole life was exercise and working out. I literally worked out over 20 hours a week, which is insane. Yes. And, you know, I worked as a personal trainer, so I'd work out between my clients and I did Muay Thai and kickboxing for a few hours every day. And so, you know, working with clients, working out and then filling all of my free time with exercise, it was a lot. And when I was so tired from Hashimoto's before I was even diagnosed, I just had to take a break from all exercise because I didn't even have enough energy to do my chores. And then I kept trying to go back to high intensity training. Like I loved spin classes. Like I said, I loved kickboxing and Muay Thai and Every time I would do one of those classes, that was it. Like I would be out for days. I just couldn't do anything. And so I really fell in love with weightlifting again. And I really had to tailor my programs. And, you know, as much as I craved that adrenaline rush from high intensity workouts and that sweat that you get, Mm -hmm. I just kind of had to change my mindset and be like, you know what? I can lift heavy weights. I can push myself and push my limits there and take longer rest breaks. And so at that time, I was doing two full body days a week. And then I worked my way up to three to three or four, which is what I do now. And each day is probably five or six exercises with three sets of each. And that has just become what is like my perfect point where I'm feeling energized after I'm not feeling drained and Yeah, it was definitely a mindset shift, Um, especially because you can probably relate when you've gained so much weight, you know, I think we were my age anyways, we were always conditioned, okay, eat less, work out more, do more cardio. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tried to fall back into. And it just gave me the opposite reactions. My body freaked out. I was more tired, gained more weight and was just miserable. And so when I did less and I, you know, did the two full body days and then eventually four full body days and my only cardio was walking, I started to lose weight. My energy went up and it was just such a game changer. And so I feel like that is one of, you know, the obstacles that I can relate to with a lot of my clients is, you know, just take the time to focus on your nutrition, your lifestyle, your mindset, take a step back from the high intensity exercise for a little bit. And then it's going to push you forward so much more. Yeah, I agree. My, my like working out is kind of similar. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of cardio and a lot of weight training at the same time. And so it was probably two hours a day of like an hour of weight training and an hour of cardio. And by the end of it, I was so burnt out on both that, like, I just had to take a break from working out entirely, and that's fine. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like you, that it's a mind, sh- mind, sh- mindset shift that you have to take and like step back and say, okay, this is making me worse. And like, I think people have a concern that when they stop exercising, everything's gonna go wrong and they're gonna gain all the way back. And actually, I think people like lose weight sometimes when they stop exercising because. You do hold on to a lot of inflammation when you overexercise. Exactly. And once you take that break, your stress hormone cortisol is going to start to go down and cortisol is associated with inflammation. So Mm -hmm. once cortisol goes down, then inflammation usually follows and that's when your energy goes up and you have better sleeps and, you know, it's just your body starts to regulate itself and... One of the biggest things that I think has been helpful for my clients is I'm like, you don't have to go to just sitting on the couch. I'm not telling you that. Walking is amazing. It's so gentle on your body. Like listen to a podcast and just go walk or go to um, a Hatha or restorative yoga class. You know, just do something a little bit more gentle and take the time to focus on other aspects of your health. Yeah, something a little more relaxing on your body and on your mind than aggressive, like high intensity training. Exactly. And I think people forget how powerful your mind is and how, you know, we really have to take care of our mind and our sleep and drink enough water. And there's all of those other 
not little things, but all of those things that people forget and they just come to us and they're like, okay, give me a meal plan. Yeah. Give me a workout plan. And I want to lose the weight. And, you know, especially if you have autoimmune, it's like, no, like we are going to go through all of these other things first because getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, working on your mindset, your lifestyle is going to make such a huge difference too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like what's like, are you using air fresheners? Those things too, they play such a huge role that like I mentioned, like with the fragrance in the laundry detergent, mm-hmm. like I would have never known if I hadn't had reactions to it. Exactly. And also like we talked about with our skin issues, like skincare is a huge thing too. And once you start researching some of the ingredients that are the top five ingredients in a lot of medical grade skincare or which is supposed to be good for you or skincare, you know, that you just buy from the drugstore and stuff, you're like, oh, wow okay. And I don't know if you're like me, but I was actually shocked that natural skincare worked and made such a difference in my skin in the best way possible. Yeah. I, I like, I was shocked that I could buy something that wasn't super harsh on my skin and it would work better than the harsh stuff. And like, I used to use retin-A, retinol. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it would like dry my face out to nothing. It would be so dry. And I can get the same effect of like reducing the acne and like um, I have super oily skin anyways. It's like reducing that without having to use the retinol and like my skin is not damaged from it like it would be with the retinol and it's not harsh and it's never dry like that again. So it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it really is like less is more. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I think that that applies so much to just our exposure to toxins as well. Like you said, from skincare, from things we're breathing in or putting on our skin, like detergents and foods we're eating and, you know, yeah, our toxic load and autoimmune just don't go hand in hand when there's too much. Yes. If So I always recommend the EWG website Mm -hmm. for people that are looking for um, swapping out their skincare or their hair care or fragrances or anything really um, because they have like a database where you can input the product or the chemical in and they'll tell you like what is harmful and what isn't harmful in it and the like side effects and symptoms and all those kinds of things. So that's what I always recommend to people when they're like, how do I switch it out? I'm like, well, go to the EWG if they, you have the time to look through it and just look through it. It only takes a few minutes really to look for a whole ingredient list. But that's what I always recommend. And they're so helpful. So, Yeah, that's like me too. It's right in my welcome package for clients because <laughs> I absolutely yeah. love the EWG website. And with autoimmune, I always try to tell my clients to get products that are preferably a th- – rating of three or under which is low to moderate Mm -hmm. hazard or four and under and I know that it can definitely feel overwhelming once you start reading these things and you're like oh my gosh what do I do and I'm like okay you don't have to throw everything out like don't do that unless if it's really bad but (laughs) once you finish a product just replace that product with a cleaner option and then before you know it most of your products are going to be cleaner options. Yeah, because we probably replace them at least every three months. Most people yeah. probably replace every three months. So by three, the three-month point, you'll be replacing everything. And I find that like the skincare I'm using now is so much cheaper than the one I was using previously because I would like always have to find something new every month because it wouldn't work or something. And now that I'm just using the same thing, I don't have to pay every single month to find something new. Exactly. And just hoping that it works. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping that it works. Um, so you also mentioned gut healing. Mm-hmm. So how did that go for you and how does it go for your clients? So with autoimmune conditions like Hashimoto's, obviously it's autoimmune. <laughs> so our immune system plays a huge role and I think it's about 70% of our immune system originates in our gut. So there's a huge connection right there. And then on top of that, about 20% of our thyroid hormone conversion, so that inactive thyroid to the active form, 
that conversion, 20% of that takes place in the gut as well. So our gut really is connected to our immune system and our thyroid health. And, you know, if your gut is inflamed or just not working optimally, you're not going to absorb a lot of the nutrients from your foods. So it's also the same thing. Don't waste your money going out and buying like 50 different supplements if, you know, your gut health isn't in a good place to even absorb what you want out of those supplements. And I think, you know, there's a lot of nutrient deficiencies that are common with Hashimoto's. And it's almost the question of, is it because you're not consuming these nutrients or is it because you're not absorbing them properly? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think, I know for me, gut health played a huge role. And in most of my clients, it's been a game changer as well. And part of that is eating you know, maybe more lower inflammatory foods and probiotics just to replenish the good bacteria in your gut, as well as low stomach acid is also very common with Hashimoto's. And we need stomach acid, right, to, you know, break down our food. It's a key part of digestion. And again, that's going to help with your nutrient absorption. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think on I think on every podcast episode I've done with a guest it has always gone back to digestion and mm-hmm. making sure we're digesting things properly and how important that is because like if you aren't digesting your nutrients you're not getting anything from your food. And we always go back to the same conversation digestive bitters are so important when you are having digestive problems or like feel like you're not um absorbing enough or yeah. Digestive bitters are like the like holy grail of all supplements. <laughs> I know. I love them so much. And for my clients that are like, I hate the taste, I'm like, one, <laughs> you'll get used to it. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can always get a good quality digestive enzyme. And if yeah. price is an issue, because some people, you know, just need to budget what they're going to purchase, um, Apple cider vinegar is also just a great option. You just definitely make sure you dilute it with water. Yeah. And take it. I always have to take mine pretty close to when I'm eating, like within Mm -hmm. like, you know, five minutes of eating because otherwise I get nauseous if I drink it too, like too early before I eat. Yeah. Like on too much of an empty stomach. Yeah. Yeah. Because I take it in the morning right before I eat breakfast Mm-hmm. Like I don't have coffee before or anything like that. And so I'm always on an empty stomach and sometimes like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to, no, I can't do this too early. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that one. That's why I always have to add in lemon and ginger even just to yeah. even it out a little bit. Yeah. And another thing, we both have a full script account mm-hmm. that we can get digestive bitters at a discount for if they have a hard time affording them or something. So I can put those in the description too. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Because yours is Canadian and mine is US. So oh, they yeah. carry different supplements. And also that's perfect for anyone listening that's in the yeah. US or Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought of that as you said it. I was like, I'll just put them in there because. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good idea. So I want to say thank you so much for coming on the episode. It was so nice to talk to somebody similar with Hashimoto's and hypothyroid and um, restrictive eating habits and how you overcame those. So it was so nice to have you on the episode. And yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.